0: Hello, America, and welcome to the Friday before the 4th of July. I hope you're all getting ready to celebrate America's great liberty, its great independence, the day of the 245th birthday of our great country. Uh, Coming up this weekend, honor all of those who have served, who have given their life and limb uh, to our country, and also just celebrate, even with all the strife we have in our country today, we're still the best darn country God ever invented. And uh, we have so much to be thankful for, even in the midst of some of our crises that we face today. All right, today we're going to dedicate the whole show to a subject that a lot of you are uh, talking about more and more and more called Critical Race Theory, the new curriculum that's sweeping many school districts around the country and the revolt against it by parents. We're going to do two pretty amazing interviews today. First up, we're going to hear from Charles Fain Lehman. He's a fellow at the Manhattan Institute. He's created a toolkit for parents on how to go about combating critical race theory, raising questions about things your children are being taught in school, maybe even taking control of your school board if, if so needed, um, lawsuits, law legislatures. We're going to cover the whole thing. Charles is one of the preeminent Uh, experts on this, and uh, and they have a whole team at Manhattan that's fantastic. He also wrote a recent op-ed for Newsweek. You should read it's required reading if you're concerned about this issue. And the toolkit for concerned parents is something that uh, people are talking about all across this country. Then we're going to go down to Texas before we head out to our 4th of July. seems like a good place to go, the Lone Star State. We're going to introduce you to a parent named Lee Wamsgans. She uh, lived in the community of Southlake, Texas, and led a parent movement to win seats on the school board and to push back against critical race theory. And here's the amazing thing. Her child wasn't even in the public school. She had her child in a Christian private school, but she decided it was important enough to fight for all the children in her school district and uh, what an impact they've had very quickly. This case has been chronicled all across the country. This is the first time we've had the pleasure of talking to Lee. Both Charles and Lee coming up in just a second. First, Let's go take a quick commercial break. Thank you our, to our advertisers, our sponsors for making this show possible. If you want to support us, support them. You're going to hear from them right now.
1: Temp-check. Time. Minimum $10 per order. Excludes restaurants. Additional terms and fees apply.
0: All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. And as promised, a very special guest, somebody who has put a lot of thought into the debate over critical race theory and equity learning in schools. Uh, joining us right now is Charles Fane Lehman, a fellow at the Manhattan Institute. He's put together with the Manhattan Institute a toolkit for parents who are trying to address this issue with their children, their school district, and has some amazing advice. Charles, welcome to the show.
2: Thanks so much for having me on. Good to be here. It's an
0: honor to have you on, and uh, this toolkit is getting a lot of buzz all across the country. But before we dive into that, uh, you had a Newsweek op-ed in the last few days that really caught my attention, Mm -hmm. and uh, it did a couple of things. One, it provided some real-life anecdotes of what's being taught to children in the name of critical race theory. And then it had some defenses of people that oppose critical race theory saying, calling us racist and that's insane. There's a, the demagoguery on parents who are opposing this is really bad. I want to address both. Let me start with some of the examples that you found from parents of what was being taught to American school children in the K to 12 grades.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, a lot of that's based on, although not exclusively based on reporting by my colleague at Manhattan, uh, Chris Ruffo, who's yes. obviously been leading the fight on this. Um, you know, and there, there are just a few examples that I like to think of. The Philadelphia Elementary School that had kids organize a black communism march in, uh, in, in support of Angela Davis. Uh, the Oregon State Math uh, guidance document from the Oregon State Department of Education, which implies that math is infused with white supremacy, and that to get around it, we need to have use more Afri- traditional African patterns in the math classroom. Wow. Uh, one of my favorites from Chris, which is the uh, uh, the California Ethnic Studies curriculum that includes apologetics for I think it's Aztec human sacrifice, wow. all under the sort of decolonial anti-white supremacist rubric. Um, and you know, I think this is really the sort of crazy stuff that parents are more and more concerned about in their kids' schools. This is the sort of most extreme example, but it's indicative of the tenor of the whole thing.
0: Yeah, it really is. And, and I've never seen a moment in American history, certainly not my lifetime where people are more tuned in to what their children are learning and more tuned in. It's really a political movement. You're going to see, amazing school board elections it looks like to me over the next two or four years as parents try to gain control of the bureaucracy and the and these boards, which uh, which seem to turn a deaf ear to them. Isn't that one of the concerns parents have? They go to a school board meeting and the school board meeting just sloughs them off, right?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think, I think something that we're seeing right now is parents running for school board and winning school board seats uh, based on a support for common sense education rather than this sort of ideological craziness. Um, people forget that school boards are usually locally elected. Average school board race costs ten to twenty thousand dollars. Nobody pays attention to them and so you know these school boards are not used to democratic accountability they 're used to getting their cushy slot back every single time yeah. uh, they 're pretty uncomfortable with new scrutiny but There's a reason that these democratically elected positions, ultimately, they have to be accountable to parents, and it's good that they're being held accountable to parents.
0: It is. It is. It's a a good political movement. It's good for everybody. Listen, at the end of the day, more accountability and less ignorance is a good plan for for any form of governance from the local level all the way up. You, um, in this article, also... Uh, do a good job of saying what it is that critics of critical race theory really are saying, as opposed to what the media. Every, the media tends to uh, portray everyone who raises a question about critical race theory they're racist. They're oblivious to America's dark past, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, in the Newsweek article, I thought I saw one of the best defenses of why people have a concern about it. Could you could you describe what what opponents of critical race theory really are concerned about? I mean, they're not they're not trying to stop teaching about slavery or, or hide, you know, the Civil War. Uh, tell us what, what, what this concern is really focused on.
2: Yeah, I think that's that's absolutely right. And it's, you know, it's uh, really quite strange that this is the argument that is propagated into even mainstream media sources, that people are concerned about white kids will be uncomfortable if they have to learn about white supremacy. If you go read Texas's bill banning critical race theory, you'll see that they mandate the teaching of the history of white supremacy and why it's wrong. And that makes sense to me. That makes sense to most people I know who are concerned about CRT because... We see uh, clearly there are, there are harmful things in America's history, bad things, racist moments in America's history. Um, and that's the thing that we should be open and honest about. Uh, what I don't support, what others are concerned about, is this sort of uh, not only just sort of a race-obsessed analysis, but this idea that America is institutionally, constitutionally, inalterably racist and white supremacist, and this being taught as dogma or fact uh an indisputable fact in our schools to teachers and then to students you know at the end of the day i don't have a problem with a critical race theorist like derrick bell or kimberly crenshaw being taught in the classroom being taught in high school classroom having kids talk about those ideas and debate them right. i do have a problem with those ideas being mandatory and dissent from those ideas being punished that's where the real issue is
0: yeah no oh, it's become a one-sided debate one of the parents we had on the show recently said uh i sent my kids to go to school so they can be taught uh how to think, and instead they're being told what to think. And it's a very one-sided debate. Uh, it's really interesting to see, see parents have that frustration. Now, you've done something at the Manhattan Institute that I think is remarkable. You put together a toolkit to help uh, parents with the uh, fight against uh, critical race theory, equity learning, whatever we want to call it. Uh, tell us about this toolkit. What's in it? And what's the reaction been to it?
2: Yeah absolutely and the first thing I'll say is you should go to manhattan-institute.org if you want to check it out it's right there on the front page at least it was the last time I checked uh, <laughs> I'm but sure the it is. you know, the toolkit which is you know it's a it's a product of a bunch of us working at Manhattan um but it's it includes a couple of different things It's sort of a uh, a front piece essay the goal of which is just to lay out the history and talk about where we are and how we got here then there's a, a lexicon which uh, outlines some key terms that get commonly used tries to explain what teachers and administrators mean when they talk about white supremacy white privilege equity pick your term um, and then the bulk of it is really the sort of guide for parents who want to start pushing back. Think about what is it that you need to do to respond to this stuff. Um and, you know, the, the first step, and there were a bunch of steps in there, but the first step really is identifying other parents who are concerned and getting organized. Um, we talk about how to do that, but, you know, that, that's the fundamental thing that parents need to be thinking about doing is how can they make their voices heard with other people.
0: Yeah, such an important point. Um, and there is strength in numbers. I think that's one of the key things. The more parents band together, that's the story of South Lake, Texas. You know, a woman set out and she uh, set out to get 300 people. She ended up with 3000 parents and before long they were taking on their school board. It, It really is remarkable. Um, as they get further and further into this, you know, what are some of the steps that parents can take to have, uh, a uh, outcome, not only for their children, but for their entire school district? I mean, there's two, two routes here. One is to make sure that your child gets taught the proper way. And then the second question is, do we try to address the more systemic way that the school board's going about it? What are some of the steps that parents can take?
2: Yeah, you know, I think the first step, the first principle to keep in mind is always, you know, don't do more than you need to. Maybe the problem is just you know, a weird document got into your kid's class and your teacher doesn't know you have a problem with it and talk to them. Right. So don't don't go full nuclear at the start. If you do find yourself having problems, uh, first of all, as I said, it's important for parents to get organized. Um, Five, six, seven voices, much more powerful, exponentially more powerful than one. Uh, at the end of the day, this stuff is not being driven by like a grassroots, uh, you know, the uh, advocacy for CRT in schools, I mean. It's not a grassroots phenomenon. It's like administrators and – some recent alumni who are now college kids, and maybe some teachers who are really gung ho about this stuff are pushing it it 's a minority movement, right. um, but what that means is that a couple of organized parents can have outsized impact in pushing back. I think that 's important for people to remember um, so you know you start from there, you go you escalate your way up the administration if you can 't get traction, you think about outside uh, you think about talking to the media, you think about. Uh, going to your local school board, running for your local school board. You should keep track of the ongoing lawsuits uh, that are starting to pop up everywhere, because I think that's a potentially fruitful avenue that's really just yeah. as infancy. The
0: courts are getting more and more involved, there's no doubt. Yep. And in almost every case thus far, the courts have ruled in favor of people who are uh, critics, uh, concerned about this critical race mm-hmm. theory being taught. This is a question that I think is at the heart of this debate, which is, if you're opposed to CRT, what are the real dangers long-term for this being taught systemically in the schools, as opposed to, hey, here's one body of thought, and there are many other bodies of thought. If this becomes the predominant way that uh, children are trained for six, eight, ten, twelve years of going through their uh, uh, primary education, what um, what is the danger? Uh, how do you define the danger?
2: You know, I think people like to talk about this in a very uh, sort of a revolutionary ideology. I don't think at the end of the day that's the most dangerous thing. I think that there are a handful of people who are trying to make money, and a bunch of people who are well-intentioned but wrong-headed, and uh, try to, you know, well, Put them together in
0: a stew pot, you get some stew, I guess, Yeah.
2: Yep, yep, exactly. (laughs) Uh, But what I do think is that when you separate kids by race, when you tell kids that race is the most important thing about them, when you say that these kids are responsible for all the bad things that happen, Kids love every excuse to be awful to each other. Um, The things that most alarm me, well, that's one thing that alarms me. The other thing that alarms me is, is, you know, the conscious war on merit-based, on merit. Uh, The attacks on merit-based admissions at America's selective high schools in New York and outside of D.C. Um, At the end of the day, the purpose of our educational system is to figure out who's going to lead our country. We want the best and the brightest to do that. And this sort of ongoing war on uh, merit-based testing under the pretense that it's racist will ultimately, in my view, serve not just you know mediocre kids, but most often the rich, mediocre white kids who can uh, get into college off of essays they paid for because they aren't held accountable by a test like the SAT. So I'm worried about that long run too.
0: Yeah, yeah, objective education where you can really measure. The, um, we had a young uh, African-American father on our show about a week ago and he, uh, he has been very strongly against Critical Racer, and he said something very profound to me that it's, it's stuck in my head since he said it. He said, I don't want my daughter to be taught that the first thing you look at, at uh, in a person is the color of the skin. I want to know about the quality of the person inside, but skin shouldn't be what defines the, o- the opening relationship whenever you meet someone, and that's what is going on with CRT. They're, they're training everybody to consider skin color race ethnicity before anything else it, do do other parents feel that way is that part of one of the uh, the pepsit that this this uh I uh, curriculum is creating
2: I think they absolutely do you know I've talked to parents whose kids have had trouble with uh you know being targeted because particularly if their kids are Asian or if their kids are Jewish right. those are groups that are disfavored and are, are easy targets for being picked on quite bluntly. Yep. Um, and I think I think that that's, you know, those are parents who are really concerned. Uh, and I think they're right to be concerned. You know, when the school gives social permission for kids to be divided, kids are going to take advantage of that. That's not good.
0: Yeah, such a great, uh, such a great point. And, um, and racism comes in all forms, right? It, we, we always talk about it most traditionally, the white on black, which is it was a long history. We know that, but you know what's going on with Asian Americans—the the the, the uh, extraordinary uh, rot, new rise of anti-Semitism. Uh, this is taking many shapes, and and I think people are worried that this curriculum can only inflame that. Uh, it's it's very interesting to watch uh, the debate. How do people stay in touch with what you're doing, Charles, with all the great work at Manhattan? And uh, what what's a good way for people to download the toolkit and and get engaged?
2: Yeah, uh, you know, the, as I said, the best place to go is manhattan-institute.org. That's where the toolkit can be found. That's where everything is. Uh, my work is over at the Manhattan Institute. It's at City Journal, which is city-journal.org, which is uh, uh, the Manhattan Institute's in-house magazine. So that's right. me and a bunch of great writers that I encourage everyone to follow. And I'm also on Twitter, at Turles F. L-E-H-M-A-N, L-E-H-M-A-N uh, if you want to follow me there.
0: That's that's really great. Last question: uh, There are seems to be beyond uh, you know parents taking on an election movement, big, taking over the school boards, trying to gain uh, control of the school curriculum. Uh, two other avenues that are growing: one is the state legislatures are beginning to pass uh, uh, laws that prohibit this as sort of being the predominant uh, curriculum in school, and then you have the courts that have intervened how what is the next logical steps as you look out at the early rulings and the legislatures like what happened in Florida recently how uh, Where do you think this goes over the next six to twelve months?
2: You know I think that next the next school year is going to be a big one for this fight um and it, it is it is possible. It is possible that we'll lose momentum. Part of the reason that parents are so inflamed right now, I think, is because, frankly, their kids have been in their living rooms and they've been listening to what's happening in their kids' yeah, classes. Great point. Uh, so I'm a little worried about that. At the same time, I think there is a lot of energy. And like I said, you know, it's just not that hard to run for the school board. Uh, maybe ten, 000, twenty thousand dollars $20,000 is a lot of money to you and me. But if you can get 100 people to give you a couple hundred bucks, you can win a school board seat. Uh, so i think that the barriers to entry are pretty low and as long as the momentum can be maintained i am optimistic about its effect
0: yeah that's a really amazing thing and you're right uh, it doesn't take that much i mean and it's it's a noble thing to do it's a great thing to join the school board and and do that i think the most frustrating image that parents talk about is seeing some parents recently going to school board meetings to raise their concerns and they get brushed off by elitists like yeah 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 next up please we don't care and Absolutely. that that accountability has to change, and it seems like that movement is is well underway. Charles, uh, thank you for all you do. The Newsweek article, folks, if you haven't seen it, is a fantastic article. Check it out; great read. Charles wrote that just a few days ago, and stay in touch with him at the Manhattan Institute, which is a great resource, one of the great think tanks in America. Uh, Charles, I can't thank enough. I hope I wish you a very happy Fourth of July.
2: Thank you so much, and thank you for having me on.
0: It was an honor. Well, I think we're going to have you back on. We have to have you back on. We've got to follow this story all year long, so we'll be sure to get you back on the show.
2: Absolutely.
0: All right. Have a great one. You too. All right, folks. We're going to go to a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to take you down to Texas to a real-life example of what Charles was just talking about, a group of parents that ran for their school board, took it over, and have begun to push back against critical race theory. We'll have that right after the commercial break.
1: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B Y T E.com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte.
0: All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. And as promised, a very special story from a very special person. We've been talking about critical race theory a lot on this show. We've had members of Congress, educators, all sorts of folks. But today you're going to hear from a real parent who took matters into their own hands in, in uh community of South Lake, Texas. Joining us right now is Lee Wamsgans, who is a parent who took on the school board and won. And we're going to just hear from her story. Lee, welcome for uh, to the show. It's great to have you on.
1: Thanks, John. Great to be here.
0: It's a remarkable story. Now, let me start off with something really fun. Your children actually are in private schools, but you took on your public school board anyways, right?
1: Yeah. And that's something I would actually like to really get across to people, because some of the most conservative people across our nation have pulled their kids out of out of public schools. Right. So so why pay attention? Right. Well, this is the population our children are going to be doing life with. Yeah. And we need to care about what's happening in public schools.
0: Well, you cared enough not only for your own children, you cared for all the other children to do this. And it, it's remarkable to see what happened. So tell us the story of how you mount this basically guerrilla army of parents and take on a school board that didn't want to listen to parents and remove them and get critical race theory out of the school district that your, your children's peers were in. I'd love to just tell us that story. It's a remarkable story.
1: Sure. It's... It, um... Kind of a long story, but let me try to surmise it for you. Um, last summer, a plan was brought forward um, called the Cultural Competence Action Plan. And if I can even back up a few steps from that, that uh, was spawned by a fall 2018 social media post uh, from kids um, in a private home um, chanting a racial slur, mm. not calling anyone the racial slur, right. but um, ne- nevertheless chanting it on social media and um, we have some real um, activist folks in our school district and they use that opportunity to form a uh, cultural a, a diversity uh, committee. The district diversity council met 11 times. They talk about working uh, two years, we uh, we got the roll the roll calls. They met 11 times total, and really what this document really came from is the activist administrators within the school district that, are, by the way, paid by our tax dollars, right. um, created most of this plan. And so um, they tried to launch this plan, and we never would have heard of this plan except for the brouhaha caused by a local offshoot, offshoot of BLM called um, uh, SARC. And um, this group sort of stormed the virtual meeting virtually, got themselves on the agenda and made a list of demands, much like you will see on the BLM website. They wanted to get the uh, school resource officers out of the schools. Right. You know, that was, of course, the most alarming thing, which sure. was out on social media um, sort of started waking people up because our school has armed officers in, I mean, our school district has armed officers in every school. And I, in fact, was behind the movement getting them in there way back when. So um, the long and short of it is it called attention to this document. And um, we started looking at this document, and it's really horrific. So, Tim O'Hare and I, Tim O'H- Tim and Kristen, they're they're friends of ours, and we're we're very conservative and and um, just kind of got together and said, what could we do about this? And I just out of my own pocket formed uh, put together a landing page and wow. did targeted social media right. ads, just shooting out what the bullet points of this plan were. And I thought, you know, if I could get two or three hundred people interested, that would be more than has ever gotten involved in a school district issue before in the history of our that would be a
0: tidal wave right
1: that would be a tidal wave and i wound up with almost three thousand signatures wow
0: wow that's a tsunami how about that wow what amazing
1: it was a tsunami and so i called him and said uh we've got something here parents are willing to take a stand
0: that's amazing and over the course of a year you ousted the current school board right and and got new parents on the school board is that correct
1: it, it is. Um, we had to form um, a very organized committee. Our first event launch was, you know, um, the beginning of August 2020, which we had still had all of the COVID restrictions yeah, in place. Yeah, that's right.
0: <clears throat> I and, forgot this is occurring during the pandemic, so you got all that extra challenge.
1: Exactly, exactly. Well, and we had wondered why the school district uh, virtual academy wasn't going well. It was because the key um, administrators who were paid 6 figure salaries were all focused on implementing uh you know diversity equity and inclusion in the schools instead of the business of doing education right in right. schools but we um we held a big event and we could only the bottom of this church we held it at had an 800 person capacity and we had to go 50 percent so we could only get 400 people we literally had people so we did an rcp and we literally had people very upset we turned hundreds away wow um
0: no room so we in the end huh the
1: yeah so Tim O'Hare, by the way, who's running for Tarrant County right. judge, conservative guy. There's a little plug for him. We love him to death. <laughs> um, Tim O'Hare formed the business side of the pack. We held this event and raised a great deal of money that day. And we divided, you know, organized into committees. Uh, we had, you know, school research committee. We had uh, public information request committee, legal committee, a prayer team, uh, candidate interview committee, fundraising committee. We had a committee um, that would coordinate public comments at school board meetings. So we really divided and conquered and created an organized army. And that is what is really critical. What you find with activists is everyone wants to be the boss, right. but you do need to divide and conquer. Yeah,
0: no, you're right. Everybody has to have a role in in, uh, in getting something going like this. Now, over the course of this, you you probably took a little bit of a harassment and criticism, what was that like? I mean, did the, were there parents, school board members, uh, BLM members it, were, did you take some criticism or did this sort of happen with overwhelming force and you never really took any, any, uh, uh, feedback?
1: Tons of criticism. Yeah. Um, everyone, if you, if you do not bend to a BLM, you are called a racist. And yeah. so it got to where we were all called racist. It, you know, it's not mutually exclusive. You can, you can absolutely um ab- abhor racism because there is real racism in this world and sure. stand against it of course you and do, yeah. absolutely be against the um anti-family anti-god uh BLM organization which is what they absolutely have become um i've had people uh, drive by my house with bullhorns screaming my children's names um the person who ran runs our public information requests um her son was sent a message saying um I uh, I look forward to washing your face as I put my six-inch blade into your mother's throat. Wow. These are the kinds oh of things. Oh, my gosh. That How awful. People. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just like every day. I mean, yeah. it's like once you walk through that fire, you're untouchable. And the more national news we got and the more we were hit, the more invincible we became because now you can say anything and it just doesn't matter to us anymore. <laughs>
0: oh, yeah. You do. You become, you become leather skinned. It's just because you're so, you know, you take enough barbs, you realize, you know what I'm staying up. God, they just want to throw me off my mission. I want to stay on the mission. And, uh, it is remarkable what, what you've accomplished. Um, <clears throat> you get this done now and you have this critical race theory sort of agenda or curriculum off the school, uh, off the school. And you got kids learning how to think, not telling what to think, but, learning how to think, uh, what is the biggest lessons that, you know, if you're a parent in some other school district and you feel like this is coming on in your district right now, what, because you've been through the fire, what are the lessons and the strategies and the tactics that you would recommend other parents take?
1: Well, I need to stress to parents in America that, you know, 70 years ago we handed over our kids to the public school system and the Democrats got really involved in the public school system, and the Republicans didn't. And I don't even like saying Democrats and Republicans. I like saying conservatives and liberals. Right. Um, because there's, you know, you know, that line sometimes gray. Yeah. But we have to stop handing our kids over to Caesar and then being shocked when they come back Romans. Um, <laughs> we look at the street. We see Antifa marching in the street, and we wonder how, how can... An entire generation be so misinformed and so many of them and it is because we've handed them over to this indoctrination and been working and busy and you know going on with their lives not even realizing what they're learning right under our noses which yeah. goes against the very, very important diversity. so my mission is and my contention is that if we are going to take america back we have got to take our public school systems back and the only way you're going to do that is win your school board elections. period end of story you've got to get solid conservatives in there who won't just buy the story lock lock, lock stock and barrel um what we had we got two candidates now we still have room to go we still have to take a majority we do not yet have a majority on our school board right. but um one of the candidates that we got in there is a, a very um highly um, qualified attorney and the other one is uh, a really sharp sharp um, engineer who is uh has a ton of the football parents you know football is king in texas of course but Friday night fun, lights it's also, yeah. yeah it's important to get attorneys in there conservative attorneys and conservative um really uh, smart people who won't just believe what the taxpayer funded school board attorney is telling you because um they're not always telling you the full story.
0: Yeah, that's an interesting thing to learn. Uh, you know, I saw some of the uh, work you did on your website and uh, there's a really powerful image and and headline that I think really gets at what you in in your uh colleagues have have uh, drawn out here, which is racism racism is a real problem but this agenda is not a real solution this curriculum is not Absolutely. a real solution uh i think being able to acknowledge that there is racism in the world and that you're not yourself being racist you just don't think that this is the curriculum that solves it um is is such a powerful message because it disarms the other side hey we're not we're not saying there's not racism we're just saying you might be making the problem worse with this agenda and uh, this curriculum right
1: and you know even in their own plan um so Carol, I is about about 8600 students and about uh-huh. about 1200 employees even in their own plan i'm literally reading this from the plan where they're trying to implement all of these changes it it says an academic review of student subgroup test performance reveals no statistically significant achievement gaps among the district's ethnic population wow so if the school's job is to educate our kids then there's your evidence that we don't need to change anything we're doing. Clearly, all ethnic populations have the equal opportunity here. The difference yeah. with the CRT and the, the DEI programs is they're not interested in equal opportunity. They're interested in equal outcomes. Yeah. And we have seen this equity thing all over the nation. Um, and their plan is to take out the gifted and talented programs as well as the special needs programs and it's a it's a travesty to the kids in public schools across America yeah,
0: well, you have created a blueprint for uh, an inspiration I think for many many Americans to get involved uh, everywhere we're reporting now we're seeing this movement to uh, a political movement to pay attention to the school boards, run for the school boards, challenge the school boards and and speak up for our children and our children's friends and uh, it is uh, really remarkable that in the community of Southlake is where we really see it. I mean, Southlake, Texas, and uh, Loudoun County, Virginia have sort of been the ground zeroes of this movement. And uh, a really remarkable story. We really appreciate you spending time today uh, telling us how this went. And we want to keep following because I don't think your mission's done there. I get the sense that you have more work to be done, right?
1: We have a lot more work to, to be done. In fact, we just interviewed uh, the first round of our next batch of candidates uh, two days ago. And we're going to do another round of interviews in about a month so no we the work is never done wow. the work will never be done until jesus comes back <laughs>
0: <laughs> well that's that's a, a a lofty goal for the completion but it is a remarkable thing and and um uh people all over the country are talking about what you started lee and that is a, that is a and it's in and of itself a remarkable accomplishment not to not to mention what you've been able to achieve for the for the children in the school district where you, where you live. So I want to thank you for joining us today. And uh, I'd like to get you back on the show and get an update in a few months and see how, as we enter into the next school year, what else we can learn from Southlake.
1: Absolutely. Happy to help.
0: That's wonderful. Well, I hope you have a wonderful 4th of July weekend.
1: Thank you. You too. God bless.
0: God okay. bless you too. All right, folks. That was uh, Lee Wamsgon's What a great parent. What an amazing story. Proof that in America, you can carpe diem, take control of the political system and get what you need for your children. Amazing story. We're gonna go do a quick commercial break. When we come back, we'll wrap things up for the day.
1: Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes.
0: There really is no place like home.
1: And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. All
0: right, folks, that wraps up the week. What a busy week. A lot of great guests. We're thankful for everybody who spent time on this podcast, including you listening and engaging us. We're so grateful. A lot to think about on the critical race theory issue we tackle today and uh, a lot to be appreciative for as we head into this week in the 245th birthday of this great country the united states of america where liberty freedom and justice still reign supreme we see it every day uh, all those who talk us down are making a big mistake this is still the greatest country america uh, the world has ever seen we're so thankful so proud and i want to thank all my fellow americans for what you do, whether you drive a truck, you teach a child in school, you uh, heal people as a doctor, particularly during this pandemic, or nurse. If you're a first responder, a soldier on the front lines, thank you for making my country as great as it is. I am so deeply grateful for you. There's a million heroes every day that I witness in my work as a journalist. And I wanna thank you all this weekend. Have a steak on the grill from Kansas City Steak. Go enjoy an incredible long weekend uh, celebrating America's Great Freedom. I'm signing off. We'll be back next week on Monday with a new show. Until then, God bless you and God bless America and happy birthday, America. See you soon.